Welcome to Hope's Garden and the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. Close your eyes and, and just take in these words. Jesus, sweet spouse of my soul, I open the womb of my heart to you. Come and enter your enclosed garden with the same incarnate love with which you entered the immaculate womb of your blessed mother. In me, with me, and through me, bring the joy of your divine love to birth again today. Amen. Do you know what you are praying for? that the words that we pray are more than just beautiful poetry. When we're truly making them the prayer of our heart, we are asking something of the Lord. Do we understand what it is that we are really praying for? What we are asking him to do in us and through us. And this is where my meditation all week on the verses of the song Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, what's taking me. Do we really understand what it is that we're asking when we pray with the bride of the song? So if we look just at that final prayer to the womb of my heart rosary, so we went through five decades, 53 Hail Marys saying, make my heart like unto thy virginal womb. What does that mean? What are we asking for? Her virginal womb, first of all, make my heart pure. Make my heart empty and available to you and your will, to the fullness of God that dwells in you. Cleanse me and purify me of anything that clutters and takes up space that does not allow you to come in all your fullness. Cleansing and purifying is painful. It is work. It entails cooperating with his grace. He doesn't take. He will not take from us. He will only receive that which we offer to him as gift, which means we have to surrender. We have to let go. We have to work with him in praying for those dove eyes, asking Mother Mary to illuminate our hearts and show us what needs to go. What am I clinging to that is not of him? What are the wounds, the attachments, the false loves, the sins that I need to surrender and allow him to receive as gift from me, make a gift of our misery? When I think of how he told St. Faustina that she hadn't given him everything, and she said, what? (laughs) I've given you my whole life. I'm a nun. I'm in the convent. What more can I give you? 
And he said, no, you haven't given me your misery. And when I contemplate that, I think my misery is the only thing that was not originally a gift from him. Everything else I have comes from him. What more pure gift is there that I can give to him than my brokenness, my sins, my false loves, all that he did not give to me? I can make a gift to him so that he can redeem it, so that he can transform my misery into his glory. So that's the first step in allowing our hearts to become like Mary's virginal womb. Her womb was immaculate. It was pure. It was empty. It was available. It was open. It was receptive. Is my heart? Is my heart pure? Is my heart available to Christ? And remember the teachings of St. John of the Cross. God doesn't want us attached, even to spiritual goods, to be attached to nothing but him alone and what he wills. The soul that is attached to anything, however much good there may be in it, will not arrive at the liberty of divine union. For whether it be a strong wire rope or a slender and delicate thread that holds the bird, it matters not. If it really holds it fast, for until the cord be broken, the bird cannot fly. And this is what happens in the dark night of the soul when John of the Cross says so many souls stop there or turn back. Because when he starts showing us how attached we are even to the goods of this life and how we have to let go, wow, that is a dark night. That is a painful process. But he doesn't leave us empty for long. If we're willing to let go, if we're willing to let him rightly order our desires, to teach us disinterested love, where I love you, even my children, even my spouse, my mother and my father. I love you with disinterested love, with the love of Christ. That is all for your sake and your good, not because I'm grasping and clinging to relationships to fill my needs. No, I arrive already loved by the bridegroom. I don't need anything from you. I want to share the gift of myself with you, and I want to receive the gift of you. That's all. No grasping, no clinging, no disordered needs and loves. Jesus is my all in all. And from the overflow of his love in me, I can give and receive with a pure heart, an empty, available heart, open to all he sends to me. My soul can truly become a shelter for other souls where they can be nurtured and loved and come to know the bridegroom so that he might love them into full bloom too, that we all might become who God created us to be and truly the world will be on fire. First, I have to be willing. 
willing to allow him to make my heart like unto Mary's virginal womb. He taught me the painful lesson last fall, that the next step in allowing my heart to become like Mary's virginal womb and the prayer to give birth to his love again and again from the womb of my heart, birthing is painful. There is a lot of pain in this process. When he fills us, when we've allowed him to empty us, like I said, he doesn't leave us empty for long. He's gonna fill you with him, his very self. We were made with the capacity to be filled by God himself. And he's gonna fill you, but he doesn't want you to even cling to that, right? Even to cling to his filling, he wants you to share it. Well, how do we give birth? There has to be a piercing, an opening, a process then of birthing that love into the world. So when he fills you, be ready. There will be a piercing of your heart to make an opening so that his love can pour out. And this is then where we come to understand how with Christ, with Jesus as our bridegroom and spouse, the agony and the ecstasy are intertwined, inseparable, can be experienced in the same moment. When that piercing of our hearts, when we realize this is Jesus, this is the arrow of love that is piercing my heart to make an opening so I can share his love, so I can be spiritually like the Virgin Mary and give birth to him again in this world, what joy fills the soul in that moment of agony? Suffering no longer is suffering. It's truly like giving birth. It's pain, but it's necessary pain that leads to such good, to the ultimate good, not just for me, but for souls and for Jesus, how it delights my bridegroom. If you read Teresa of Avila, Therese of Lisieux, they talk about these moments of ecstasy intertwined with agony and say they would gladly, gladly die of that pain, gladly suffer that agony again and again because of the joy the joy of that union with Christ, that joy of being one with the divine will. I don't know a better word for it, but I know that it's no longer suffering. <laughs> suffering is not the right word, not with the connotations that that word carries in our world. How can I truly suffer if I know that I'm with Christ? I pray for those who don't know him and are suffering. That is true suffering. That is hell on earth. What is hell but the absence of God? And to be suffering and not know that Christ suffers and weeps with them, to me, that's the true definition of suffering. When we bear the pain 
with Christ, for love of Christ, and for love of those who do not love him, it becomes joy and peace. It's transformed. Where he enters in, everything is transformed. When we invite him in, even into the most torturous pain that we know, into our grief and our weeping, into our brokenness and misery, he transforms it by his very presence. The gaze of the bridegroom does transfigure and transform everything. To stay in that gaze, that's what we need to do. Stay in his gaze. I want to look at the same theme. What is it that we are asking of God when we pray with the bride of the Song of Songs? And we say, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. What does it mean to be set upon the heart of God? What does it mean that in our baptism, he has been set as a seal upon our heart? What is the seal that the bride is speaking of? What did this mean to the ancient Jews in the Old Testament? What was the meaning of this? We need to know the meaning of these words. It's more than just pretty poetry. If you haven't gotten that yet, <laughs> it's your time here. The song is so much more <laughs> than just pretty illusions <laughs> and images. It is profound prayer. It is the word of God. So for what is it that we are asking? And what does it mean to then be set as the seal upon the most sacred and Eucharistic heart of Christ, our bridegroom? How does that transform our lives interiorly and exteriorly? And what does it mean to also be set upon his arm? What are we asking for? Are we ready to really pray this prayer with the bride of the song? Are you ready to commit to all that this means? To truly be one with him. To not just have him drawn into your footsteps and go where you go, but to allow him to draw you into his footsteps to go where he goes, and we know where he goes. He leaves the throne of heaven to come down to the nut orchard of our fallen humanity. Humility, obedience, self-giving, self-sacrificing, washing the feet of his disciples, carrying the cross, standing silently, silently, as he's falsely accused. Are you ready to be a seal on that heart? Mother Mary, help us. Teach us, make us all teachable, Mother Mary. Teach us the ways of love. Help us to overcome all of our fears 
our distrust, our hesitancy, to stand with you at the moment of the Annunciation and Incarnation of our Bridegroom, to throw our arms wide and to open the wounds of our hearts and say, yes, yes, let it be done unto me as you desire. He desires all of this for us so much more than even we desire it. And trusting, just trusting that he's going to provide all the graces necessary. Let it be done unto me. She didn't ask, what do I need to do next? She just said, okay, here I am. Let it be done unto me. And boy, do we struggle with that. You know, one of the greatest gifts of our femininity is that gift of receptivity that is stamped right into the way God created our bodies so we can physically see and know that we were meant to receive love and give birth to love into the world. And yet where, I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? Where does the enemy so strongly attack us is in that gift of receptivity. Not just in our sexuality, not just in our you know, marriages and relationships, but interiorly, our interior receptivity, right? How often do we hear that voice that says, no, you can't just sit there and receive. You don't have time to pray today. You've got all these things to do. And even when they're like Catherine of Siena and St. Bernard too, in his sermons on the Song of Songs warns the monks, which I always, I, I read those sermons and I'm just like, wow. Yeah, there is nothing new under the sun. It may come in different forms, but wow, he was warning the monks about the same things that we're all warning each other about today. Don't get so busy. He even warns them about over-exercising. Like, and he tells them, the enemy can no longer convince you to do evil things. So now he's going to convince you to do too many good things. He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep you from spending that time in quiet bridal receptivity and prayer because that's where we receive the love of Christ. That's where Christ transforms us into other Christ. And does Satan want more Christ in the world? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so when you're hearing that voice, no, I need to be doing these good things, even if they're good things, ministry work, like I could be kept busy all day long doing good things for Hope's Garden and the Roses. But is that what Jesus really wants me to do? Is that really giving him to the roses? No. I need to be spending time alone with him and receiving from him. Then my work is more efficient and my work is what he wants it to be. It's bringing to them him and what he desires. Not what I think is the right thing to do today. The bridal posture of prayer. Make sure you're spending every day in that bridal posture, giving him your heart to be like unto Mary's virginal womb so that he may fill you and then you may give birth to him again in this world that hungers and thirsts for real love, authentic love, God, Christ, 
who is love. For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app and find us at Hope's Garden.